Welcome to the Bubble Lounge. I'm Nellie Shudo. And I'm Martha Jackson. And today, as our guest, we have Sarah B. Smith, author of Broken Beauty. And Martha, I understand she was a friend of yours who you reconnected with, and you just read the book in three days. Yes. Yes to both of those. So I hadn't seen Sarah in several years, and her face kept coming up as a suggested friend on Facebook. So I sent her a friend request just randomly. I remembered she was such a sweet woman. And two days later, she announced that she had published a book. And I just was so proud of her and so excited to find out more and find out what what it was about. And this book is about her journey through her mother's Alzheimer's, right? Yes, early onset Alzheimer's. It's fascinating because you want to hear this is this is a topic some of us will be dealing with in the upcoming years. Right. I've dealt with losing both my parents. Um, it's just something that affects everybody's lives, really. Well, it does. And I really enjoyed reading this book. It, it initially sounds like it's going to be a depressing book, but it really isn't. It, it takes you through the whole process of when they first notice signs of her mom having it, to getting diagnosed, to all the things that happened in between, and then them making the decision of, of putting her in an Alzheimer's care facility and um, really relying on love, the love of their family, the love of the caretakers. So it ends on a really positive note that will make you happy. And like you said, so many of us are going to be caring for parents and going through tough situations like this. So I think it's very inspirational to help people get through these types of situations. Well, I can't wait to hear what she says. And we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with Sarah B. Smith, author of Broken Beauty. If you're a fan of the Bubble Lounge, then we have a very special offer for you. Send us a text message to 313131 with the word bubble and join our exclusive community of Park City's moms. Every week we send you a link to the latest episode of the show, but that's not all. If you send a text right now, we will also send you a link to our private online membership website. Our membership site contains tons of helpful recommendations for women in the park cities. So whether you want to find something interesting for the kids, get recommendations for the best services, or just hang out online with other moms like you, our membership site is the perfect place. And best of all, it is free to join. So take out your phone and send a text to 313131 with the keyword bubble, that's B-U-B-B-L-E, and join us and your neighbors in the Bubble Lounge. Welcome back from the break. We are here with Sarah B. Smith, author of Broken Beauty, about her journey with Alzheimer's. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. And Martha, I know you read the book in three days, and you're dying to ask some questions. Yes, I did. Well, first of all, Sarah and I haven't seen each other in a few years, and we literally just became Facebook friends. And a couple of days after that, I see her first post is about her book, and I just couldn't believe that she had written this book, and it just <laughs> it really touched me. It's just a great subject matter. One of the things that really pulled me in was I looked at your pictures and your videos of you and your mom, and you guys just had such a sweet relationship. Mm-hmm. And as a mom, I'm always wondering if I'm doing things right, and it's really important to me to have a good relationship with my kids. And when I see someone whose parents did do it right, I always want to ask, what did they do? What made you want to be best friends with your mom? Oh, that is so sweet. Well, first of all, I'm the only daughter. I grew up with two brothers. I was right in the middle. And mom and I were very close. I was a gymnast and we spent a lot of hours in the car for years. And my mom was our spiritual leader in the home. She was my mentor and 
really my biggest cheerleader and encourager. And we did so much together that she kind of, we were just attached at the hip, really. And she became my best friend over time. And she's the only woman in my life that I had that I could go to about girly issues and things like that. That's so great. (laughs) I love hearing that story because I lost my mother 12 years ago. And I'm from a very close family, four kids. And our mother was our champion as well. Mm -hmm. You know, sort of she was always willing to stand behind us and push us. And it sounds like your mother was the same way. Very much. She's very strong willed woman. She's independent, still is Mm -hmm. in a way. And she really was the leader in our household. My dad He's an incredible, humble man, but more soft-spoken. So mom was the outspoken one, and she really kind of took charge, but she was a great leader in such a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. It must have been hard then to see her go through this. It must be hard. Yes, very difficult. I think the hardest part for me was seeing her go from working out with a trainer, being physically fit. I watched her take vitamins her whole life. She really cared for her health and her body and exercised, and she was a very active grandmother. Our kids were super close to her. She always wanted to keep them on the weekends or take them to the beach for a day trip if we visited in Houston. So when this diagnosis hit our family, it was pretty traumatic and agonizing for us, for sure. May I ask how old was she when they diagnosed her? She was early 60s. Wow. Very young. Yes. And I know it was early onset. Tell everyone what early onset versus regular Alzheimer's is. Yes. Well, early onset is 65 or younger. It affects about 5% of the individuals getting diagnosed. And You know, I used to say it's steadily on the rise, but it is rapidly on the rise. They don't know what causes it, but it is also more difficult to detect because of the age and being younger. Right. I think it's easy to attribute it to stress and being overtired. And the symptoms, once they're shown, you know, once they're revealed, it really has been going on for five, 10 years plus. Oh, wow. And what are those symptoms that you noticed? Well, in my mom specifically, she went through a lot of emotional distress when she lost a lot of her family members. And I think for her, I was watching her outrage and have emotional outbursts and be angry and just off-tempered, honestly. And then the physical sign, the neurological sign was tingling in her arm. I went home for Thanksgiving one year to help her wrap Christmas gifts and or well, went home for Thanksgiving to be with the family, but we were wrapping Christmas gifts and she had tingling in her right arm and kept grabbing it and making a fist. And I thought that was a neurological sign that she perhaps had a brain tumor. There's no Alzheimer's in our family. There's no family history. And I didn't know anyone. I'd never been exposed to it. So we did not see any memory loss. So I never would have guessed that Alzheimer's was in our future. Mm-hmm. So, Sarah, I remember when my kids were toddlers, you had to watch them like a hawk. Every single thing in your house is a potential death threat. Mm -hmm. Even you walk around, you put up sharp objects, but they still can manage to find things. A lot of the stories you tell in the book sound like it was pretty much like watching a toddler having to keep an eye on your mom. Tell us about that. That's absolutely right. We had to child-proof their home. You know, it's interesting because she will go through a stage— And it feels like she's plummeting, and then it plateaus. And then you start to believe that things are going to be okay, and then something else happens, and everything is unexpected. 
And as the disease progresses, her mind is reversing years, and it's becoming more and more of a childlike mind. So over time, I'm having to learn how to communicate with my mother as if she is a seven or eight or nine-year-old, and really now, for sure, three, four, or five-year-old. It just depends on the moment. Depends on the day, and it the day, like. right. But childproofing her home, you think that you've removed one object, and then mm-hmm. somehow she got into something else, and the guilt that you feel and that my dad felt that he didn't think to take that away is just, it overwhelms you. And it's just what you're saying. It's like raising children and you have to always be on your toes and be watching them. Right. How has it affected your father? Oh, my dad has been so heartbroken. I was just telling someone the other day, my mom is the love of his life. They've been married for 52 years and he had retired early thinking that they would travel and do things together. And right when mom was diagnosed with early onset, he also was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And he has gotten through that and he's fine and his health is restored. But it really rocked his world and he became a babysitter over the years. I will say, though, I feel like he's such a soft-spoken, quiet man. He did not discuss his emotions vocally very often. And he is now in a different place. I've seen him step out of a comfort zone, which is so beautiful to me and drawn us even closer that he shares how he's feeling and what he sees and what he's going through. And in turn, he's able to help other men who are going through this. So I've really seen an incredible difference in my father becoming more outspoken, sort of how my mom used to be and just using his voice the way she used her voice. Are your parents spiritual, religious people? They are. My dad was raised Methodist. My mom was raised Baptist. Mm -hmm. And they are both born-again believers. And we grew up going to a small Baptist church in Katy, Texas. And their faith has always been a huge part of their life and their heart, for sure. I know that it took you guys a while to come to the realization that you just couldn't take care of her anymore and you wanted to put her in an Alzheimer's care facility. Tell us the turning point that made you make that decision. It was the nail polish remover, right? That's correct. I got a call from my dad when we were having some friends over. We had just had dinner and entertained the couple across our street that we just love and hadn't had a chance to spend time with them. And we were sitting around actually visiting about my parents when I got a phone call. And my dad was in complete panic. My mom had drank something that he did not know what it was, and she couldn't tell him what it was, but she had broken out all over. She had a red rash from head to toe her arms, her fingers, her bottom, her legs, everywhere. And she couldn't explain what she had done. So I rushed over there. And after trying to investigate what she had done in the bathroom, we finally realized that she had drank nail polish remover and she thought it was her Diet Coke. Right. So there's things like that, that you just, you try to, again, child-proof a home, but you never in a million years would think that your mom, his wife, would take a bottle of nail polish remover and drink it. So that was really a breaking point for my dad because he realized no matter what he did, he could not keep her safe. And it crushed his heart. I remember just tears coming down his eyes when she was sitting in his lap as things began to improve and the rash was going away. She didn't think anything was a big deal and she was laughing it off. And he was over there 
thinking to himself, I can't do this. I physically cannot watch her 24-7 and also get my rest. And it scared him. It really scared him. I have a question for you, and I hope that I say this the right way, and I mean this with all due respect, Mm -hmm. but I've always been curious because Mm -hmm. I have seen my friend's parents have Alzheimer's, some early onset, Mm -hmm. some not. And my question is, do you feel that she is aware of it and fighting it? Or do you feel that there's a part of her that is unaware of it, so it's a blessing? Not the disease, but I mean a blessing that she may not be aware of it. Both. And that is a great question. I'm not offended in any way. It's an excellent question. When mom was first diagnosed and several years after, yes, she knew she had it. Over time, she did not realize what Alzheimer's was. She didn't know or understand the disease itself. I do believe that she knew something was wrong with her and the power of the mind. She was very convincing that she was okay on many, many occasions, which is why it makes it super confusing for the caregiver. And she would have lucid moments. But also, as she started to lose her mind and it progressed, there is a blessing because she doesn't know what she's losing which is why I believe she's in a happier place now. She doesn't worry anymore. She's not anxious. She's like a child, and she's completely dependent and trusting of the caregivers around her and the love that shows up for her, who it impacts when she doesn't realize is the loved ones. Mm -hmm. Because we're left with her not remembering things that we do for her, the time we spend with her, and we're affected and don't know how to transition into those different kinds of emotions. Mm -hmm. So Sarah, you and your family got to a point eventually where you decided to embrace this and really focus on the love of all of your family members. Tell us about that. Yes. You know, it was really the turning point for me was when we brought our daughter's class from Providence up there during Christmas time. Actually, excuse me, at Thanksgiving. And at Thanksgiving, the school recites scripture and hymns and poetry for Grandparents Day. So we did it sort of as a rehearsal and we went up there and it was the first time that I realized how special it was to the memory care residents and my mom, even though they didn't remember minutes later that they were there, how much it blessed her and them. You would see their mouths move to some of the scripture Mm -hmm. that they remembered from a long time ago. The kids had recited the Lord's Prayer with sign language, and a lot of them were saying some of the Lord's Prayer. When they sang, they were tapping their hands. So it not only blessed them, it blessed the children and the moms that were there incredibly, and then the caregivers. They were in tears, and I think it's because a group of people had shown up, and it also gave them some respite, and they were blessed by it. And that really started transforming my heart as well to have more love show up in the memory care floor. Mm -hmm. It touches so many people's lives. For me, one of my close friends in Los Angeles, her sister had early onset Alzheimer's in her 40s. Mm. It was actually Lewy body disease. And she literally became crippled and old and incapable of remembering to do anything Mm -hmm. very, very rapidly. But just like with you, I was really impressed by how my friend... Mm took care of her, stopped her life, 
moved in, took mm-hmm. care of the kids, helped her sister, and I would go visit them. And she would always find some bit of happiness mm-hmm. and joy to share with her. And I just, I really commend you for having that inner strength. Oh, and your you. family, I mean, nothing can get you through something like that except that strength of family and that love. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like the more courageous we can all become... And to face our fears and face those emotions that we're hiding and the guilt and the shame, self-pity, despair, anything we're going through. And that's part of the story. A huge part is any suffering and brokenness, whether it be marriages, finances, addictions, cancer, terminal illness, incurable disease. When we overcome the fear of losing someone or what that trouble may bring and be more courageous, it is almost impossible for love to not show up. And it brings peace. And that's just something that I have learned and living in the moment and living to love. It makes me feel better and Mm -hmm. I have a better day. And it's been an incredible example for our kids and our kids. We're living in a world where everything is instant gratification and all about them. Mm -hmm. And for them to learn how to face someone who has a brain disease and serve an elderly And face the fear of talking to someone who's older and sick. It's important for them to build courage in them and show them how to serve. Well, and also for them to make your mother comfortable. Yes. For them to have that empathy Mm -hmm. and to make her feel comfortable when she might not say the right thing, etc. That's right. And they've learned how to adapt. Their friends have learned how to adapt. And I will share one thing that happened recently that was really beautiful. We showed up to serve and build gingerbread houses, and we sadly were losing someone on the fourth floor. And her daughter asked if the girls that had shown up early could come sing to her. And it was so magical and incredible to see seven or eight girls singing hymns to someone who was about to pass away. And it was an experience I had never had, and they certainly had not had. And those girls left with tears, but they also were celebrating that they got to participate in helping this sweet, sweet lady be received in heaven with music. Mm -hmm. And it was so special. A lot of us are getting to that age where our parents are getting in situations where we're going to be in the same boat as you. What advice do you have for us as far as taking care of a loved one? A few things, quick things. Number one is do not live in isolation. It can be a very lonely world and it opens up the door to negative thoughts and negativity has an incredibly harmful effect on our hearts. So I would say do not live in isolation. Please tell someone. And also talk about it and encourage one another because it builds people up. And that's what I love about the community we live in. We build each other up. I see ribbons tied around trees when we lose someone we love. Showing up by dropping off meals, offering playdates for the kids, carpooling their kids. You know, if you have children, leaving flowers and cards. Those are also important because community brings strength in numbers. The other thing I've learned is so important is to value life and know that no matter what someone is going through, their life is worthy of our attention. And we don't know what people are going through. And so when we treat them equally the way God created us, then their life is worthy of our attention. And so I just feel like it's okay to laugh when someone is sick. Laugh with them. You're not laughing at them. My mom will say things, and before, I felt guilty laughing. But when I laugh with her, it diffuses the situation. And then you move on, and you find joy and love, and it makes it a beautiful moment. 
So just live in the moment and love and receive the blessings that really can come from this disease because they are there. You just have to be willing to look for it. Right, right. Great advice. You you have so many great things to say. I wonder what the journey was like writing this book. I'm in the midst of writing a book. How was it? What made you decide to start that? Well, I started being very vulnerable and sharing my feelings with close friends who were praying for our situation. And as I began to do that, they wanted to hear more and more. And I also, my faith is very important to me. So through a lot of prayer, I felt like I was getting nudged a lot to start writing things down. And eventually it was, no, I want you to write a book. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And as much as I resisted it, I felt like it was something I needed to do. When mom was diagnosed, I went on Google and I was looking for any statistic, any symptom, any sign. I wanted information on what it really looks like at this age, and I could not find anything. And I feel like when we share our deepest thoughts and pain, we share them with others, then other people come out and they're like, oh, I'm living that too, or I feel that too. And it's really important. And again, it's support. And so along the way, as I was writing this book, I will tell you, it was traumatic. It was agonizing and painful, but it was super therapeutic. It was beneficial for me personally, and it was restorative. It really began the process of restoring my broken heart. So whether you know, you're feeling led to write a book or journal at home for your own benefit, it is therapeutic, and I think it's very helpful. Wow. Thank you so much. This is such great information. And we love how you approach it with such a positive bent in a a situation that isn't positive. And I think that's the key to life, right? It is. Absolutely. There's beauty in our brokenness and we're all broken. (laughs) It's true. I love the title. Thank you. So Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show today. Her book, Broken Beauty, how can we find you? You can go to my website at www.brokenbeautybook.com. And I also have an Instagram account at Beauty and Alzheimer's. Facebook account is under the same name. And you can buy my book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or at Logos Christian Bookstore here locally. Thank you again. And we'll be back right after this short break. Martha and I would like to personally thank all of the fans of the Bubble Lounge podcast. We truly appreciate the feedback people like Sherry and Kathy and so many others have given to us. Your support encourages us week after week to keep the Bubble Lounge podcast going. It is women like you that make our community special. And if you enjoy this show, please help us spread the word on social media. Whether you use Facebook or Nextdoor Instagram, please take a moment and share it with your friends. Your help means a lot to us. So many women in the neighborhood have told us how much they have enjoyed this podcast. And with your help, we can share the show with many more. Welcome back from the break. So Nellie, what did you think about Sarah's story? She really went into a lot of details about the whole process of what they went through with their mom and and getting her into the home. What did you think of everything? Well, a couple things. It sounds like there's such great love in that family. Yes. And that's bolstering up her mother and the family and keeping them together and strong. And it also sounds like her mother's in a really good place, which I will say, even though I think about putting my husband in a home for grumpy men every <laughs> week, I would say that uh, that homes are nicer places now. I don't I don't think they have the same stigma. I think it's like it's like a, a fancy retirement community in a lot of cases, and that's really I love when people are treating older people and ill people who are ill in a much more um, dignified dignified way. Exactly. Sure. Well, in reading the book, they looked at multiple places. Her dad and her dad and her, 
Um, and they came up with the tradition, which is actually pretty close to the Park Cities. And I looked it up, and it looks absolutely beautiful. It looks like a country club. And you're right, the the level of care that they get. And she really goes into a lot of detail of talking about the caregivers in the book and how much that they truly loved her mom, and she could tell that. And they really had a vested interest in helping her on a personal level. Yes, and I would say her book sounds like a good read for anyone because it is about having hope and faith and facing any kind of challenge head on. Right. I mean, let's face it. Everyone's going to go through a tough situation, whether it's a personal journey or, or with a loved one, and it's a perfect book to give you advice and give you scenarios of how to work through that. Yes. I I feel very uplifted by having Sarah here. She is amazing. Mm -hmm. So that's our show this week, guys. Tune in next week. We are here at the Bubble Lounge. I'm Nellie Shudo. And I'm Martha Jackson. 